As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Here they come. And they rush five. Open. It's Cooper. Next score wins it. It's Pollard. Finds a seam. Throws it down the field. It's caught at the 10. And this game is over. The Cowboys win it. C.D. Lamb. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys indeed? Holy crap, Cowboys fans. What a game that was. Probably the game of the year in the NFL, in my opinion. I've been watching a lot of them this season. But we're going to talk about it all. We've got Father John Mashoda on site to break down it all, and we're going to get to him. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. We've got Father John Mashoda live via satellite tonight in New England. KT is not here, and Saad is covering your Dallas Stars. Make sure you're checking out his work on The Athletic. But uh, John, as the uh, 1975 once said, it's just you and I tonight, so we'll get right to it. What was it like there, man? It was a crazy-ass game. Just first impressions off the top. Coming into the city, I got the sense from just being around people talking about the Patriots, they felt like the Cowboys had a better team. But because of the Patriots' aura and having Bill Belichick and being who they are, uh, felt like they'd still have a chance in this game. I mean, heck, Vegas at the end had him as a three and a half point spread. And I think a lot of people don't think that these two teams are three and a half points differences, but you see that game and then you see exactly why Vegas is so good at what they do. So um, just, I mean, it's crazy because you sit there and I mean, the skip ahead to the end there when Trayvon Diggs gets that pick six, you think that game's over. Yeah. And then for them to give up a touchdown where Trayvon Diggs is involved, say it was Diggs' fault. You could say it was DeMonte Casey over the top. But then to just have that momentum swing and then have it go back to the Cowboys get the ball and you're kind of sitting there thinking like, man, you really don't want this to come down to a seeing Greg Zerline miss real bad on a long field goal. They need to try and punch this thing in. And then just to see the Cowboys put together the, not only get the stop in overtime, but then to put together the drive they did, redact to find CD Lamb. It's just bigger than just any other win uh, for this team. I don't care what anybody says. Coming into this environment, whether you think the Patriots are a good team or not, this was a statement win for the Cowboys, especially going into the bye week. Uh, unfortunately, then, then there's the negative news of Dak having the calf strain, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. What's the, what's the latest on that? What did they say after the game on that? 
So Dak comes into the post game press conference and he's in a in a walking boot on his right uh, leg oh, no. and That's never yeah good. and and he and he's walking with a pretty good limp but he's laughing about it because he knows that we're just gonna bombard oh, him with a bunch of questions yep. <laughs> right so it was I mean it's definitely it's, I, I shouldn't I'm not gonna use the word significant because we don't know the severity of it he's gonna have an MRI tomorrow uh, but it's clearly something that was was bothering him to have a walking boot for the team to announce that he had it he said the way he just kind of landed on his foot he didn't like the way it felt he said he didn't feel like a pop or anything like that he just didn't like the way it felt. And so obviously when Cowboys fans hear this, they think calf strain. The first thing they come to is the fact that Michael Gallup has a calf strain. Michael Gallup hasn't played in a while. Michael Gallup is not a guy that we've really seen do much rehab work. He said he could have finished the game. It, wouldn't, it wasn't the type of thing that would have pulled him out of the game. Obviously have the bye week coming up. So he has two weeks to kind of heal. Uh, you know, this is, this is something that's going to have to be monitored over the next week or so, because there's no guarantee that this is going to be something that he can just get over and then play in their next game. Uh, but we don't know. As of yet, I mean, like I said, he was in really good spirits laughing, asking other players about him after the game. Um, so because of it, though, it is one of those things, like I said, if, if Michael Gallup wouldn't have, as, have missed him as much time as he had, you'd just sit there and think like, ah, it's Dak, you know, I mean, he'll rehab this thing. He'll just spend not, all this next week and a half just rehabbing. He'll be. But because of Gallup, this is a red flag where, well, this might be something that might might cause him to miss a game or two. So uh like in true Cowboys fashion, you know, just when you think everything's going in the right direction, just like, you know, earlier in the season, losing Lyle Collins, losing uh, to Marcus Lawrence, uh, this team always seems to find find some type of way to have to overcome some adversity. All right, let's keep things on the positive here after a huge win for the Cowboys. Um, I mean, this offense just keeps coming at you. I mean, I think the stat was that Dak completed, you know, his first six six passes to five different receivers. Uh, of the game. I mean, and that just shows you the versatility that this offense has. And it, and it really is a backbreaker for even Bill Belichick. It, it, it seems like. Sure. And what's really intriguing to me is that going into this game, Mike McCarthy talked about how to have a chance to beat a Bill Belichick defense, you have to be willing to throw to your third receiver, your fourth right. receiver, your right. fifth receiver. It's more than just your top two guys. He can take those guys away. Um, when you can go to a guy like Cedric Wilson, who us who cover the team, we know he's, he's a good receiver. Uh, we know he's not CD lamb or Amari Cooper, but he's, he's a good receiver that Dak trusts immensely. And to see him go to him over and over again in big moments in this game, just really spoke to how it, this isn't just a, you know, couple star receivers and, you know, a tight end that's kind of playing out of his mind. I mean, they can go to Tony Pollard. They can throw to Zeke. Uh, they can throw to Blake Jarwin, and then they're going to get Michael Gallup back. And so, yeah, no, this this offense is 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 just loaded with weapons, and and they continue to show uh, that it, they can beat you with just so many different ways. You want you want to take away the run game like they did today? Dak can throw for throw for over four hundred yards. Could you know? I know Cedric Wilson is not Amari or CD, but could he be Michael Gallup? Yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, I I still think Michael Gallup has the higher upside. The amount um, of plays this year that Cedric has made, the agility. The, going up and getting the ball, keeping the feet in bounds. I mean, it reminds me of Michael Gallup's exact skill set. Yeah, I mean, he's had that uh, type of an impact. Like with Michael Gallup out, I mean, like I said, Michael I Gallup's think he's a, a way be- bigger guy. I think he's a, a bulkier guy than Cedric. Cedric's a little skinny, but sure, sure. And I do think that there's a little bit more bigger play potential with Michael Gallup. I think you'll see him free agency that as mm-hmm. well um, mm-hmm. with what he gets paid. But with Michael Gallup out. I don't think there's been that big of a drop off to Cedric Wilson. I think he's he's really he's impressed a lot of people. And it was one of those things in back at training camp 
Dak would always sit there and talk about how Cedric is just like one of, I mean, there's no drop off to him when Cedric is out there. They feel like, or Dak feels like it's it just like another starter. Like he doesn't th- feel like he's throwing to a number four receiver, which that just happens to be what Cedric Wilson I mean, is on the step chart. It's not just the fact that the guy's reliable. It's the moments that he makes plays is important. You know, I mean, it, this guy's making huge plays at big times, you know, the fourth, da- fourth down conversion last week comes to mind, right? The conversion this week. So I mean, it's not just the fact that these guys have chemistry. It's the fact that this guy's contributing at a high level at a really important time for this team when they need somebody to step up, to be quite honest with you. And he's been that guy for them uh, on the receiving core. And that's that's been awesome. So, yeah. Well, and one other thing I was just going to say is that, yeah. you know, they wouldn't be allowing him to do this on Sundays if he wasn't doing this during the week. If he was running a route here or there incorrectly or mm-hmm. dropping balls and things like that during the week, there's no way they would put him out there in those situations. But he, you can tell that, during the week, he's doing the same exact stuff, and, and and he's elevated himself to being a really good number three receiver in this offense. So just to run some highlights of the game here really quickly, uh, the first quarter, we had, first of all, we opened the game with an illegal double team block on the opening kickoff, and I'm just thinking of the Jerry, uh, you know, why not start the day, why not start the day fucking it up uh, <laughs> quote, you know, I was just exactly like, all right, here we go, you know, it's going to be one of those. And so we got the fourth, fourth down run uh, from Zeke, that was no good. And then McCarthy challenges by throwing the flag 20 feet in the air as if to say, y'all are so wrong on this that I'm going to taunt you with the flag throw. And then it was New England ball <laughs> on the Dallas so you know 35. What I think he did that though. <laughs> I think he was frustrated because a play before that or two plays before that, I can't remember which one. Uh, I think he thought that Dak took a late hit. Uh, the Cowboys sideline was, was pretty fired up and it wasn't called. And, and certainly that was happening in a part of the game where it just seemed like the refs were throwing a few flags in uh, New England's favor to the point where uh, Ezekiel and Randy Gregory were pretty, pretty uh, open about how they felt this game was poorly officiated. I'm sure Cowboys fans felt the same way, but uh, I think that you have to add that in there though, Kent, that he was frustrated by that too. So he was already kind of annoyed with the refs. So I think that's why he threw it in the air. More so than the, this is so obvious you missed this call, you idiots. You know, I think it was because he was already what frustrated because like they missed the earlier. Yeah. Okay, no, got I got you. Gotcha. I mean, it was, imp- it, it was seemed like, toss. oh my God, I saw it from here. I'm throwing this literally in your face, basically, because you're so dumb to not recognize this that I have to waste <laughs> right. this flag on you. That's what it seemed like. And then it was like, it wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, I don't know what they saw in the booth to make him think that or if he just saw that, but, but that was a funny moment. And then New England easily scores on a direct snap to the running back. Um, how do you feel about the Cowboys run defense after today, John? <laughs> I mean, guys you know, I've never heard of, I mean, props to the Patriots. They do this every year. I mean, Stevenson, you got Bentley making plays at the goal line. Like who are these guys? But I mean, they're well coached and, and give them credit. But I mean, they, they got, they ter- certainly got kind of carved up towards the end of the game. there on the ground. Well, this is, this is what it is, is that I think during the first five games of the season, there was, a, there was a belief that, hey, maybe this defense is significantly better than last year. And it's probably, it's definitely better, but it's more middle of the pack. And then it's been kind of camouflage with all the takeaways. So making it elevated, you know, to maybe where people think it's a top 10, it's not a top 10 defense. It's probably middle of the pack. And if you take, if you go back to any of our podcasts, training camp, uh, off season, uh, you know, beginning of the season, it was always, if this defense could just get middle of the pack. And I think that's what they are ultimately today's game. 
was exactly the way the Cowboys are going to have to win against good teams is that, you know, the, the defense isn't going to shut these teams down. They just have to keep you in the game. So your loaded offense can then win it. And that's what happened today. And so I think what happens is I think it is a middle of the pack defense. Cowboys come right back. Touchdown to Blake Jarwin. Remember this guy? <laughs> Touchdown Jarwin. And then Patriots come right back. Touchdown Hunter Henry. Cowboys are driving at the end of the first quarter. And uh, we get the Dak pick on the deflection by Bethard. Uh, Dak, the ball security seems to be more and more of an issue like later in his career. I mean, he was so well known for keeping keeping the ball uh, tight, you know, and keeping things secure. I mean, he didn't throw any interceptions, I think, his rookie year until very, very late, right? So uh, what do you think about just the ball security? I mean, you think about the goal line play, too. Let's just get to that, you know. Um, he's just a bigger he's – a, he's a bigger thrower now than ever before. The, I mean, everything's open to him now. Uh, he has, uh, you know, better receivers now across the board. Taking more chances. Um, not to say it. Yeah, and that's what happens because I more I trust right more now. trust from the offense, to, offensive coordinator to to let him be Dak too than before. Whereas he's a rookie, it's much more like all right, if this is not this, it's this type of an and, offense, you know. And I don't have an issue with that when when a guy's young, you don't right. want him thrown in the middle of the field. And and when you would look at those next gen stats and those spray charts after games when he was younger, there wasn't a lot of challenge in the middle of the field. But you see that a lot more now. When you throw it in the middle of the field, that the chances are significantly higher that you're going to have plays like that because balls can get tipped and things like that. So I don't think it's I don't think it's of a major issue because yeah, if you're throwing one of those a game, but then you're throwing three touchdown passes, you can live with it. Now you don't really want to get into the two, three turnover territory, but I don't think that the, the turnovers or ball securities are an issue with him. I think on that, on the on the reach over the goal line, uh, that's a risky play. Um, but I think you kind of live with it just because of who he is. I mean, this is a guy that's elevated himself to being a significant factor in this MVP conversation. You got to let the guy play a little bit and take the good with the bad. Let's not sit here. I mean, you want to talk about MVP conversation, watch Kyler Murray run with the ball. Sometimes there's some things that he does where you're just like, Whoa, that looks dangerous. You know, Lamar Jackson, same thing. There's sometimes you can, but you got to let the guy kind of play and, and you take the good with the bad. There's not going to be these perfect, like four touchdowns, no interceptions, perfect ball security every single week. So um, I think he more than makes up for it with with other things that he does, obviously. And, and I mean, he exceeds any of those issues. So I don't think it's I don't think it's a major problem there. Um, but the interesting part is that on the fumble on the goal line, you don't even get to that if they call the, the third down play a touchdown. And it, it certainly you watch it and, and, and it almost goes back to the Des Bryant catch in, in Green Bay that was overturned where it, it gets down to the whole if everyone's watching it at a bar everyone that saw that play is like, that's a catch. Well, it's the same thing with like, if you're sitting there and you're watching the, that, the freaking ref called it a catch, John. That's all you got to say about the Des catch. The ref on the yeah. field called it a catch. That's all you don't have to be at a bar. Yeah. This is two times in, in, in the last, I think three games that this has happened to Dak. And it just kind of strange because you're watching it from above and you're like, okay, if he's not in the end zone, where is he at right now? I There's thought he was so in. I thought he was, I was with Romo. I was like, dude, he, he was in, like, uh, I don't know. I thought he was in by a half a yard or more uh, across right, the goal line right. Right before he lost the ball. But it was the fact that the ball was coming out, you know, and we right. couldn't see that. Um, that was it's just when he lost possession. I mean, he still kind of had it when he was over the goal line, but he just didn't have possession of the ball. And what a play by Bentley. I mean, he just he just smacked that ball out. I mean, holy crap. I've never seen anyone anyone do that. That was like a Dragon Ball Z move or something he pulled on deck. Right. And I give, I give new England credit because that was a great play made on the ball. Generally, all you have to do is get the ball over the goal line. And as long as you have possession, it only has to be 
just over the goal line. It, do, it doesn't matter if a guy knocks it away. But the fact that as soon as he started reaching it, it got knocked away. It was an impressive play. He was, Jack was like, all right, if I'm not going down, I'm going to go up, over on the next play, you know. And the guy clearly knew, like, okay, he's, go, he's going, coming over the top. Um, but you made a great point on Twitter, of a tweet that went viral, I, I think, semi-viral for John Mishota standards. <laughs> but um, the fact that, like, they need a chip in the ball. What are we doing in 2021 where we can't figure out if we can't clearly see on a camera if he's across the line, whether the, the ball is in, across the line or not? I, I think that's ridiculous, too. Well well said. Well tweeted. Well, Kellen Moore, I, I got to give credit to Kellen Moore. He suggested it a couple of weeks ago uh, when we talked to him about Dax, you know, not getting in the end zone. Uh, I believe it was against Philadelphia. And uh, he was asked about that. And that's what he, he said. He mentioned a, a computer chip. And it just makes a ton of sense that you would do that. Cause another play that I think is so funny about like, not just the NFL, but football in general is when you have a punt go out of bounds in the way that a ref runs it off and marks it. Like there's no way that that's an exact science. Same thing with first downs. There's a lot of times where you're like, I don't know. I mean, did you even have a good angle on that? Uh, a chip in the ball removes all of that. But then again, who knows, maybe that opens it up, you know, to other issues and things like that. I don't know that that adding a chip in the ball is right around the corner. Well, that's one of the first times I've, I've seen it where the ball was so hidden that nobody could, they just had to right. go with the call <laughs> on the field because no one could really figure out what was going on. I mean, that was an absolute dog pile if you've ever seen one. And so here's the, the sequence of the game, John. This is the sequence. I know it's in the first half and there was a lot of chaos in the, in the second half and in overtime and such, but I think this is the biggest momentum swing of the game. So, Micah Parsons gets flagged for a horse collar tackle, right? There's two horse collar tackles in the game. Just a weird game, guys. Um, touchdown from Jones to Jacoby Myers is negated by a holding penalty. Then Dallas gets a fumble recovery on the next play with from Randy Gregory, knocks it out. Chauncey Golston picks it up. Uh, so what could have been a 21-7 New England lead, if not for that holding penalty, ends up being... What essentially is a is a fourteen uh, ten Dallas gets back into the game with a field goal situation. I mean that is a guys making plays at the right time when they needed it most, and and it's Randy Gregory man for this game. Oh, and I'm pretty sure, uh, yeah, that on that play the holding was Randy Gregory was being held. Randy Randy Gregory was wrecking the game, Ooh. and Randy and Randy Gregory was getting pissed off about it, and it actually made him play better. And so I asked him about that after the game, and he admitted that that's absolutely what happens is when he gets angry. He thinks he plays his best ball. So it's almost like you're like, man, maybe his teammates need to do, do something to piss him off before the game because he was he was a terror out there. And he, and he said one of the things that pissed him off is that there was some there was some uh, I'm trying to think the way he described it. We'll just I'll use my words, not Randy said there was some questionable play um, from the center. And Randy, Randy was pretty pissed off because he knows the guy. And I guess that's why it, he's trained with him in the offseason. And, and it kind of caught him off guard that there was a little dirty play going on there. And so you could tell that Randy was real fired up. And then, so the holding call gets called and, and, and he was after that play, he is just like pleading, like thanking the refs for finally calling one because he felt like there were several before that. And then he was still pissed about that play. And then he comes back and gets the sack. And I mean, just rocked Mac Jones. I mean, that was just, Oh man, that, that was a welcome to the NFL moment for Mac Jones. I mean, it was absolutely on target, like tackling dummy style on Mac Jones. I mean, he, he got him and it's right on time for Randy Gregory too. You look at it, John, 
I mean, we probably talked on this podcast. It's like, yeah, about week six of this year, he'll be wrecking shop if all things work out correctly, right? If if he can work into a groove and, and get get things back where he once was, and boy, is he ever, man! It, and it and, and you know what, Kent, you can, and it's his confidence too. Just the way yeah. he talks, the way he's carrying himself, you can just feel it. You can see it when the way he plays. And I know this is a side note on Gregory, but it was uh, mental health awareness and. Um, Randy did a nice little video for the Cowboys on that too. So, you know, he's speaking out on things and being a leader and and doing that kind of stuff, which I never would have expected Randy to do before. So that is, that's super encouraging uh, for this defense. Speaking of the defense. Let me, let me just add in there real quick though. Randy Gregory is, is like, I would say out of all the Cowboys teams I've covered going back to 2011, uh, he's one of the best interviews, one of the most intelligent guys I've ever talked to. Yeah, he, he is great. It just, there, there was a long period of time there where, you know, he was doing things that were making him ineligible. And so you didn't get to talk to Randy Gregory very much. And then now everything's going well. And so he's obviously one of the faces of the defense. So, you know, he's obviously he's part of it. a lot of yeah. media. Yeah. And he's been a lot of part of a lot of media requests. And so uh, I, I always enjoy anytime I'm around Randy. He, he is a, a fascinating dude for sure. Yeah. I mean, the Cowboys, I mean, you talk to the guy in the pre-draft thing, you're like, Oh, we got to draft this guy. He's got, you know, he's, he's got all that you want. Uh, in terms of a locker room guy. So speaking of the defense, John, New England doesn't challenge the third and nine spot for whatever reason. I don't know what they were seeing because Tony was saying, all right, like they were trying to give him time on the broadcast. And it's one of those things where like Tony says they should do it, you know, because he, he knows people are probably watching upstairs type of thing. He's like, if I were them, I would challenge this, you know, and it's like waiting for it to happen and it never does. And then next play, here comes Fossil. Luke Gifford with the punt block. And uh, that swung the game again, swung the momentum. But what's surprising about that, or not surprising because it, it did, I mean, they got down to the goal line, but usually on plays like that, especially when you recover it on that side of the field, you generally get points out of it. And, the, and for them to come up with none, because that was on the, I believe that was the series where Dak fumbled at the goal line. It was just, it was, you, you really felt like that could have been a turning point in the game, uh, but then they don't get any points out of that. And, New England kind of just, you know, you feel like that they're kind of playing above what they probably really are. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So we go to the second half now. Uh, we talked about Randy Gregory's big sack on Mac. Uh, we got a we got a missed conversion on third and nine from CD, followed by a big gain of twenty seven by Noah Brown, another guy. I mean, coming out of the woodworks, these Cowboys receivers are. They're all contributing, and then big touchdown by CD. Cowboys seventeen, New England fourteen, and then almost a fumbled punt return by the Cowboys, but 
Cedric Wilson on on top of things and able to to keep the Cowboys um, in it at that point in the game before the uh, fourth quarter began. But man, CeeDee Lamb kind of took over this game in the late third quarter, early fourth quarter into overtime. Well, the key was for a while there, you know, JC Jackson was on them and that's their best corner. And you could tell that, you know, they were going to pick their spots and we're just going to throw at him. They would prefer to throw to jail at Jalen Mills, you know, and JC Jackson was on CD a lot. And so, um, you know, Dak was going to be careful about that. I mean, he knows what type of playmaker JC Jackson is, but, um, even with that, I mean, CD lamb is an elite receiver and, um, you know, I think that, you know, well, people will sit there and say it's his second year. And so he's taken this big leap while some of that is true. I think the other thing with CD lamb is that because there was such an abbreviated off season going into his rookie year, the Cowboys felt it was best to just have him play in the slot most of the time. And while that's fine, cause it might be a little bit easier for him to pick up what he needs to do. It didn't completely open up everything for him. And now with him being able to play on the outside, he's really taking advantage of some single man coverage and, and he's a special player and he, and he's only scratching the surface. Yeah, absolutely. So we go to the fourth quarter. Now the Cowboys start the quarter driving, but Dak is pressured and uh, has to try to dump it off to Zeke. Can't make it work. Zerline field goal. It's Cowboys 20, New England 14. And then Cowboys start getting carved up the run down the middle about six twenty three to go. Stevenson comes back with his, uh, First NFL touchdown for New England to make it uh, 21-20 Patriots at that point. And then Zeke. Here comes Zeke, John. That big oh, oh, parting of the Red Seas whole game for 21 for Zeke. I mean, I'm surprised he didn't take that one to the house because that that hole was open so wide. I mean, this offensive line is is gaining uh, you know some some momentum. And you know what what's the latest on Tyron Smith? He he left the game, John. What's what's the latest on that? So he too will be uh, re- reevaluated tomorrow, which probably means he'll be getting some uh, some type of an MRI. But the, the big thing with him is that when he came out of the game, for him to pull himself out of the game, I was like, oh, this might be something pretty serious because Tyron generally doesn't pull himself out of the game in the middle of a series if if it's something he thinks he can just play through. And so when he went to the sideline, I saw that they were looking at his left foot ankle area, and then they retaped it over the top of his shoe. And I was like, okay, well, maybe he'll start jogging around, see if he can go. And he wasn't. He was just kind of walking back and forth on the bench and I, by the bench area. And I was like, that's probably not great. And then he walked to the locker room. And then we didn't see him for a little bit. But then when he came back out, he came out running pretty pretty good. And so I was like, well, if he's doing that, um, it probably isn't you know a break or anything too serious. And then he immediately got his helmet and went back in the game. So I don't think you have as much. I don't think he's anywhere near the same concern that you have for Dak Prescott. And I think, That's I think good. it's more of one of those things. And, and, and it's actually one of those things too, is because the way Tyron went down and was on the ground, you're kind of automatically just thinking like, Oh, what if this is like his back or neck, but it was nothing like that. It was, it was uh, a left ankle injury. So I don't think it's anything that would keep him out of a game if they were playing next week. And on top of, of course they have the buy. So, so certainly good for him because yeah, like you said, I mean, this this offensive line is just, they're playing at such a high level and they need him to be out there. I mean, that, he's he's as valuable, if not the most valuable player on that offensive line to keep this thing rolling. You need you need 77 out. Cowboys are driving, but Dak is tripped up on third down. Can't make it work. Almost gets there, though. I mean, it, maybe he sort of jumped a little bit, you know, uh, but it uh, is not there. Cowboys end up kicking it not going for it short from 51 from Greg Zerline and very wide, 
They're not even close. I mean, it looked like Kent Garrison was was kicking for the Cowboys. I mean, that's what it would have looked like. It'd be like, yeah, it was it was a kick. It wasn't wasn't close to making it in the field goal, but it certainly was a kick. Uh, that that's kind of embarrassing. I mean, I didn't expect it to go in. I mean, I feel like I, it's rolling a it's like flipping a coin with Zerline at this point, and <laughs> when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah, when he missed that badly, I, I mean, again, John Foss. Well, that's his guy, you know, him and Zerline are tight from other times with the Rams and all that. And John Fossil has all the faith in the world in him and that's fine. And I'm not saying they need a kicking change right now or anything like that, but man, they, they have to at least be considering some type of a backup plan in case this goes South, because again, I, I, I can, I can, I can live with an, a, a miss that's somewhere in the area code with how bad that miss was on top of the fact that you're already kind of, you don't know what you're getting every time he goes out there. Uh, man, it's just like when you're playing good teams in these games, so many of them come down to kicks like that. How many times the, the greatest Tom Brady, how many games has he been in big games? He's won that have come down to his field goal kickers. And, and fortunately for Tom Brady throughout his career, he's had really good field goal kickers. And so, uh, you know, you always mention the kickers when they miss. And sometimes I'll be like, ah, I can, it's fine. It's part of the game. Um, but this one, I, I'll say, I, I'm, I have a little bit of concern now with, with, with the Zerline situation. Cause, um, it makes you wonder, uh, these games are going to be close against some good teams and, and, and how much, how much trust you have in him. I know, I know fossil does, but does it get to a point where Mike McCarthy says we got to go in another direction? I don't know. As of right now, I don't see any changes, but you never know. And then like freaking the angel that he is, Trevon Diggs, pick six, baby. I mean, are we at the point where we're like in defensive player of the year conversation with Trevon Diggs? Like we're past like, Oh, this guy's a great corner. Like, like, this guy could be like MVP, defensive MVP of the NFL. I mean, with with how much he has changed things for this Cowboys team and the the place he's made on national TV and big moments and multiple picks and games and picking off Tom Brady and now this. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, to do it in every single game like that, when everybody knows he's doing this, every single quarterback he's facing and, and he still is is making these huge plays, not to mention this one, being the biggest of them all, especially because it, it looked like it and it probably should have been a game winner. It's just fascinating because you're almost like you go into these games and you show up and I sit down in the press box and I'm like, well, he, today will be the day that they don't throw in his area and he's not going to get down he in the street. He threw right to him. Mac threw right, oh to, right at him. It just shows you though, too, when you put a, when you put a, a, a good corner out there in today's NFL, like, yeah, you might not hear from the guy for a quarter or two quarters, maybe even three, maybe even three and a half, maybe even almost the whole game but it's going to be tough to avoid a guy an entire game. And so when you get an opportunity to make the play, you got to make it. And that's easier said than done. But it seems like almost every single time this guy has had a chance to make a play this year, he's capitalized on it. But to answer your original question, absolutely. He's in the defensive player of the year uh, category. I mean, uh, I don't, I don't see how he couldn't be. I mean, as of going into this game, I think, I think miles Garrett was the only person to have better Vegas odds for it. And, and, and I don't see how Trayvon can be very far behind, if not ahead of him now. So now the New England fans are thinking, all right, screw Mac Jones, screw this, F everything, I'm leaving. And here comes Mac Jones to Jacoby Myers for 75 yards. I mean, this game, guys, it was I, – I was freaking out at this point. I'm like, this is never going to end. And then, of course, we get to o- OT. Um, Josie by the outfield starts playing on the, uh, on the speakers, and I'm just thinking, Tony Romo wants to sing this so bad because – a little inside baseball. That was his favorite song in the weight room. He would sing it so loud, and every time you'd hear 
cheesy 80s music, you knew Romo was in there working out. So I could just sense in his voice that he was like resisting bursting out into singing that song. That was a funny moment. But uh, Connor Williams' penalty, John. He had two. He had two penalties back to back. Same play. My dad texted me during the game and was like, do you guys ever talk about Connor Williams being outmatched? And shout out to my dad for not listening to the pod. Very nice. (laughs) I appreciate him not being informed. But he says, do y'all talk about him being outmatched? He said he gets penalties because he's simply outmatched. And while I agree with that, I'll say a lot of offensive linemen in the NFL are outmatched. It's just that they know how to kind of hold and get away with it. He doesn't know how to hold. I mean, you got to learn how to hold and not get caught, really, basically. You know, Broadus would say you got to learn how to hold, trip, and clip in the NFL. And once you do that, you'll be a good offensive lineman, no matter how big, if strong you are, you know, because you can um, you can affect things if you kind of know where to put your hands at the right time and thing, things like that. And Connor Williams certainly does not have that down. <laughs> no. And, and, I mean, how many years into his career is he? Well, here's the thing. I think four. <laughs> so... I just, I don't think any offensive line is great one through five. So you kind of going to have to offset it. Like the weak link of this Cowboys offensive line is up the middle and teams know this. It's not a secret. Um, and so you're going to have these issues. I just, it, it really is a concern when it happens in big moments, like because those back-to-back penalties, even though they only got hit with the one, but to have those penalties there in that, that key moment, there was a chance that that was going to lose the game for them. Yeah. And, uh, that's the thing. Um, Knocked him out of field goal range. It's hard, it's hard for me to completely rag. It's, it's hard for me to completely rag on him though. Cause I, I do think there've been some bright moments with him. Uh, so, I mean, I don't think that he's like this weak link, like, like last year with Terrence Steele, the way it was just like every week you're like, God, this is, this is dangerous. This is dangerous. Like, I don't think, you know, he's played better than that. And so fortunately for him, you know, they were able to overcome it and Dak was able to be Dak. So Greg, the leg dumb and dumbers it again and totally redeems himself ties the game. Sends it into overtime. Never a doubt. Never a doubt, man. You know, he was making that. I knew he was making that one. Yeah, I knew he was missing the, the earlier one. I mean, it's like, you got you to have a gut instinct on this one. I don't think anything anybody <laughs> thought he was going to make the 51 after uh, after that decision. It's, it seems like he misses right after a weird coaching call. Like, he's flustered or something. Like, he, you know, like, like or in situations where he normally wouldn't be kicking or they should be going for it, it seems like he's when he misses the most. Like, he in his mind knows he shouldn't be out there or something like that. I don't know if there's anything to that. Maybe do a little analytical <laughs> research, John, in, uh, in your week. I'll put some work uh, on your plate. Uh, so we get to OT and basically CD ends it. I mean, Dak, in these situations, it's it's typically the better quarterback wins. And that's what happened here. Yeah. And and, and he injured his, his right calf on that throw. And so <laughs> it was interesting because – um, right when we left the press conference room, I was walking with, uh, I sat down and was talking with David Moore of the Dallas morning news. Uh, we were eating a little, uh, post-game pizza, uh, real quick before I uh, nice. called you. And, uh, and he brought up a good point. He goes, would you rather, if you're the Cowboys have Dak Prescott not suffer that injury, but the, and the game ends in a tie or he suffers that injury and the Cowboys win. And I said, for me personally, I don't think there's any question about it. I'll take the injury and the win because I really feel I really feel like this win is more than just another win. And sure, people could say, nah, it's not Tom Brady's Patriots. It's not the same Patriots. No, it's not. But it's still the Patriots. It's still at their place. And all you have to do is look at that game that, ta- that Tampa Bay played against New England here. 
And there's just something about it. And, and I just think a, a win like this means more uh, than, than certainly a tie and a win over, let's say, if they won against Detroit or something like that. Like, I think this was, this was a very important win for them, for their psyche to go out on the road, to win an, an outdoor game like that. Mike McCarthy always calls them a dome team because they are, are a team that plays their home games in a dome, technically, even though the roof comes off. I think it means a little bit more than, than just a, a normal, you know, uh, a game right before the bye week. So again, I'm saying that thinking that I don't, I don't think Dak's going to significant time. If you tell me that he's going to be out five or six games, then no, I will obviously take the tie, but I don't think it's going to be something like that, but we'll find out in the, the next day or so. Yeah, we will find out what a win for the Cowboys. Oh my Lord. I'm still, my adrenaline is still pumping from just watching the back and forth. I mean, it felt like a game for the ages and you were there to witness it, John, have a safe flight back and make sure you at home are subscribed to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Cowboys to get that discount and get that coverage. Bob Sturm's going to be breaking down this game this week too, so make sure you check out his piece and pieces as well on The Athletic, and make sure you're following all of our NFL coverage on The Athletic. Uh, the Athletic NFL on Twitter and The Athletic Football Show on your podcast feed. We cover that every day, cover the whole league, so make sure you're staying tuned, staying safe out there, John, we'll talk to you next time. We'll be back with KT next episode to look forward to the next game. But until then, we love you. He's as pure as mother's milk.